Welcome to Exhibition, an Xbox podcast, episode number 94. My name is Samuel Adams, and on today's show, we're talking about Starfield's new release date that's a bit further out than people probably would have hoped. We also have the rumor that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is getting pushed to later in 2023 and could potentially fall into 2024 altogether. And as expected, we also have conversations around the CMA, the FTC, the other acronyms that are deciding if Microsoft can buy Activision Blizzard. The news just keeps coming around that one, so there's plenty to dig into there. And to top it all off, you know we got to talk about the new controller color coming from the team at Xbox. So it's a show packed with variety, plenty of news to digest. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Starting off today's show, we officially have a new release date for Starfield, and that's September the 6th of 2023. Now, that is pushed out just a little under a year from its original release date of November the 9th of 2022, and it is outside of that spring 2023 release window that was kind of expected following last year's Xbox and Bethesda game showcase. However, no matter how you cut it, it's great to see that this game is getting the time and the attention that it takes to make sure that it's a good game on its release, because Xbox has so much riding on Starfield. And during the announcement, Todd Howard talked about how passionate the team had been, how much love is going into this project, and how excited they all are for us to finally see more of it. And you won't have to wait too long to see more of Starfield ahead of playing it this fall, because they also announced that following the Xbox Game Showcase on June the 11th, there is going to be a developer direct featuring Bethesda and doing a deep dive on Starfield following that main show. So plenty of content is on the way. It's not going to be a 10-minute snippet of the Xbox Game Showcase. It's going to be its own thing, which I think is totally, totally fair. So the reason Starfield matters so much right now, and the reason that Xbox has to nail it with this one, and by extension Bethesda has to nail it with this one, is because this is the proving ground for these acquisitions that Xbox has been making and that Microsoft has been making over the course of the last five years. Because Bethesda was a major industry shift, and until now there hasn't really been any kind of benefit reaped for the Xbox brand. I mean, of course, more players around the world are going to be playing these Bethesda games that are multi-platform. Doom Eternal is one that comes to mind. Uh, But outside of that... There has to be something that gives the brand a little bit of leverage that you say, oh, I need an Xbox because of this. And Starfield is that new IP that could legitimately be a console seller. And I would say that outside of Halo Infinite, outside of Forza Horizon 5, this is the first real console seller that Xbox has for this generation. Now, it could be argued that Game Pass is the console seller for this generation, but when it comes to experiences, when it comes to new IP, when it comes to existing IP that Xbox can use to win players over, Starfield is that IP. Starfield could be a big deal for Xbox, and I think that it is going to be. And so I think that the teams at Xbox and the teams at Bethesda have been looking at this project with an incredible amount of scrutiny to make sure that it's done properly and treated with the respect that it takes to bring it to the finish line and really drive it home. We can't have any Bethesda jank. 
that they're known for with games like Skyrim, with games like Fallout. This has to be the best game that Bethesda has ever released. And I don't exaggerate. It really needs to be that. Because in a way, Starfield is kind of suffering from that same anticipation that Cyberpunk had. And I hate to even bring it up, but there was such a level of hype around Cyberpunk that even if the game had been immaculate upon launch in terms of the way that it runs and the mechanics of the game and the performance on all consoles across the board, for a lot of people, it may have still fallen flat. And that's what the risk is with Starfield right now, is if the game doesn't have an amount of polish on it, if the story is lackluster, it could be damaging to the long-term reputation of Xbox, but at that point, it's very difficult because the anticipation has put it at a level that it can never really reach. I'm just venting. I'm just sharing my thoughts here. However, backing up, taking the prior release dates out of it, taking the prior release time frame out of it, September the 6th of 2023 feels like a good date for me because right now we have a packed spring season. I've been playing Wolong Fallen Dynasty over the past couple of days. In fact, I've put about, I want to say, 30 hours or so into the game so far, maybe a little bit more than that. One day, nine hours, so somewhere around there. Uh, that's been taking up my time. Resident Evil 4 Remake is coming. Dead Island 2 is coming. We've got plenty of games coming along the way. New releases every week. Right now, the fall season is pretty open, and it also pits Starfield up against the likes of potentially Spider-Man 2 from the team at Sony PlayStation. That could be a really interesting holiday season, because now the two biggest console manufacturers have legitimate console-selling games that are out there for the holiday season. That could be a really good matchup. That could be something that presents both of these as legitimate options for parents this holiday season, for players this holiday season. When they go to pick up a new console, these are both legitimately good reasons to buy them. And for, you know, the inverse, if somebody has a PlayStation, this could give them the opportunity to want to buy an Xbox. And for Xbox players, Spider-Man could be the opportunity for them to want a PlayStation. So I think that we're getting to a point in this console generation where between games like Hi-Fi rush in between third-party releases like Wolong Fallen Dynasty, Atomic Heart, that kind of thing. Xbox is starting to really pump out these hits that give players something to come back to week after week after week, and that's not even talking about big DLC updates for existing games. So, I think we're finally hitting our stride with releases for 2023. My question is, Let's say Starfield hits September the 6th of 2023. Where is Forza Motorsport in that? And also Phil Spencer, during his interview with Xbox on last week, talked about surprise announcements that are coming between now and June. So there is still more to come, even in anticipation of the show. Lots of things to break down there, but the future of Xbox is finally starting to fall into place, with a Starfield release date finally locked down, other third-party deals coming through Game Pass, and more first-party stuff on the way. I couldn't be more excited about the summer and fall that we have ahead. But most importantly, gimme that Hellblade 2. I'm ready for it, baby. Moving on, we had two big events that happened this week in the form of the Capcom Spotlight and the Paradox Announcement Showcase. Now, the Capcom Spotlight is, as you would expect, where the big games got shown off. Resident Evil 4 Remake, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, Street Fighter 6 got a new commentator announcement, and of course, Exo Primal also saw the confirmation that it is 
going to be launching on Game Pass on day one. And that's where we'll start because you can suit up with Exoprimal on July the 14th. This news comes from the Xbox Wire where they write, We learned that upcoming action title Exoprimal has a release date. Players will soon be able to suit up and take down ferocious dinosaurs when the game launches on Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, Windows PC, and Cloud, and Day One with Xbox Game Pass on July the 14th. They showed off the premium and the free tiers, as well as the 10 exosuits that are featured in the game. And this is basically a team-based dinosaur hunting game. Uh, this is a future-based kind of thing, so it's not like anything you would see with Turek, etc. Uh, but it does look to be a very fun team-based shooter. And this is exactly the kind of game that I love seeing on Xbox Game Pass. Because it's big enough to drive some excitement. But it can also benefit from that fact that if you have friends that have Xbox Game Pass, you just say, hey... Anybody want to dive into this new game that dropped and there is that uh, barrier of entry. You don't have to worry about your friends shilling out 50 or 60 bucks to dive into a game that hasn't really proven itself yet. You just download it, dive in, and if you have a good time, you can stick with it. If it's not too good, you can throw it to the side. Either way, the devs get some money for it and on top of that, you get to play it and they have some servers that are packed. That's what we love to see. So Exoprimal was on my radar. Now it is definitely on my list when it launches on July the 14th. But one that I think is on a lot of people's list is Resident Evil 4 Remake. And starting today, there is a demo that is out now. Or I should say it started a couple of days ago. But the Chainsaw demo is out now for Xbox Series X and S. And this is not like prior Capcom demos. This is something that does not have a time limit on it. You don't have to worry about 15 or 30 minutes for you to dive in and play the game. You can spend as much time in here as you want. So this is an entirely free demo that puts you right in the world of Resident Evil 4, and it's the perfect way to get a little vertical slice of the game a few weeks ahead of its launch later in March. Definitely one that I have my eye on. I don't know that I'm going to be diving in on day one because I have so many other games to play right now. Like I said, I'm wrapping up Wolong Fallen Dynasty. I want to go back and play some Atomic Heart. Halo Infinite Season 3 is going on right now. Uh, I still want to go into Forza Horizon 5 and that DLC is coming out very soon. Uh, just Resident Evil 4, I don't know that it fits right there for me. But it's definitely one that's on my list, so I might have to dive in and check out this demo. It's currently sitting at a 5 out of 5 stars on the Xbox Store, so it's great to see people are already loving uh, that little slice of Capcom's next big remake from the Resident Evil series. Uh, now, if you were into Monster Hunter Rise, which launched on Xbox Game Pass a couple of weeks ago, Sunbreak is officially coming to Xbox Series X, S, and Xbox One, as well as Windows PC on April the 28th. This is the big standalone deal. DLC that came out for that game when it launched on the Nintendo Switch, and so now it's finally coming to the other consoles as well later on this month. Or I should say, next month. Then Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, a Nintendo DS classic, is going to be coming to Xbox consoles in the summer. This is a supernatural puzzler from Ace Attorney director Shu Takumi, which casts you as a ghost tasked with uncovering the mystery of your own death. And that launches on June the 30th on Xbox Series XS and Xbox One. No Game Pass in sight, but hey, that's okay. And finally, the final Street Fighter VI commentator has been announced, and that is Hikaru Takahashi. 
which is a Japanese actress, and she is the final color commentator heading to Street Fighter VI's real-time commentary feature, which features, you know, the way that people talk about the fighting that's going on. So, cool to see there. Again, I'm not big into Street Fighter, but it's nice to see these announcements that are kind of hyping people up for the release, and that one drops on Xbox Series X and S on June the 2nd. Now, that's pretty much all of the main Xbox news. There were a couple of other stories featured throughout there, but that's everything they hit on in the Xbox Wire, all things considered, really strong showing from Capcom. I think that Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak in particular is a good example of a game that gets launched into Xbox Game Pass and then they get the payoff of they have more people that are playing it on Xbox thanks to Game Pass that want more of that. And going back to Wolong Fallen Dynasty, that's the example that happened to me where I dove in, started really enjoying the base game. Now I'm going to spend 25 bucks and pick up that additional DLC, that season pass that's coming out. They hooked me and then I'm in for the long haul. The same thing happens with Monster Hunter Rise and any other game that has any kind of DLC attached to it. You get players in the door with Monster Hunter Rise, then they fall in love with the game, and then they buy Sunbreak. So there is a monetary system there that does bring in some revenue for the teams, all behind the scenes making these games happen. Of course, Exoprimal, the same exact thing as we discussed. More people playing is going to net more positivity for the game overall. Uh, so really strong showing from Capcom, and I'm excited to check out some of these games later on this summer. Speaking of games launching in the months ahead on Xbox, Paradox Interactive has a slew of new titles that are coming in the months ahead, including a couple of very big releases launching directly into Xbox Game Pass. The first of which is City Skylines 2. Now, that's a very big one for anybody who is in love with the city building, city simulation genre, because City Skylines has pretty much defined that genre over the course of the last five years or so. And if you haven't already, you can check out City Skylines. It's out now in Xbox Game Pass if you do want to dive in. But City Skylines 2 has been confirmed, it launches later in 2023, and it's coming directly to Xbox Game Pass on day one. Very exciting stuff to see there. Then we also saw the announcement of the Lamplighters League and the Tower at the End of the World, which is a turn-based adventure game, as reported on by Windows Central, taking place in 1932. Players can use the real-time exploration phase to take out specific targets and scout out the terrain ahead of a firefight. The Lamplighters League is coming in 2023 to Series X, S, and PC, and it's launching on day one into Xbox Game Pass. Additionally, we saw the announcement of an expansion for Crusader Kings 3, which is in Game Pass now. On top of that, Life by You, Across the Obelisk, The Wolf Wars, Mechabellum, Knights of Pen and Paper 3, lots of smaller little games that are scattered throughout there, but my biggest thing here is that it's cool to see Xbox partnering with Paradox Interactive to debut some of these games because these smaller titles uh, in a way kind of remind me of THQ Nordic where are they the record setters? Are they the world shattering new announcements and new releases? Not necessarily, but they don't always have to be. Not everything has to be a record-breaking, world-shattering announcement. It can just be a cool little game, a cool little expansion. Uh, and I love stuff like City Skylines too. I think that brings a ton of value to Xbox Game Pass and also Xbox as a platform uh, because that association is awesome for those niche communities. There are people out there that worship this game and that play it day in and day out as their only exclusive game. Bring that community into the Xbox fold. Make them see the value that Xbox is bringing no matter where you're playing. 
I think these kind of partnerships are really cool. So it's great to see not only the Capcom spotlights that get a lot of attention from Xbox, but also the Paradox stuff where you are getting these smaller double A kind of games, but still stuff that's super cool. Like the Lamplighters League wouldn't have been something I played on day one. I might check it out now that it's coming into Xbox Game Pass and it's available day one right then and there. Love that kind of stuff. So again, very exciting to see for the summer ahead. Next up, it looks like Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League could get pushed later into 2023. And according to Jeff Grubb over at Giant Bomb, it could even go into 2024. That's what he's heard on the street. But this original report comes from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg, who says that internally the team at Rocksteady is pushing the game into a later date in 2023, following negative fan feedback from last month's PlayStation State of Play. Now, if you haven't checked out that gameplay, I highly recommend that you do so because it certainly set the tone for this game for me. And what I mean by that is that nothing about Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League made me think this was the next big Rocksteady game. It doesn't look like anything they've done before, and it was not what I had expected them to do. This is like a looter shooter that looks like it's got a very deep co-op heavy element to it. It also has a battle pass that's being brought in. Just was not the game that I had expected to see this team make. And so it sounds like, according to Jason Schreier, the team has delayed this to take that fan feedback into consideration. Now the question is... Number one, is that reporting legitimate? Because right now there has not been an official confirmation of a delay. But on top of that, if you delay this game later into 2023 or potentially even into next year, what is going to fundamentally change about this game that's going to fix the concerns that fans have? I get it if you're delaying it to put additional polish on it or to make sure the mechanics of the game work properly. Like those things are very important, but fundamentally to change the game. To address fan feedback, you're going to need to address how fast the characters can move, uh, the lack of diversity in the way that they're kind of approaching combat. I mean, all of these characters just have guns. Why does King Shark have a gun? feels kind of weird to me. And when you change both of those things, you then have to change the enemy system because there's a lot of large-scale vertical kind of combat where players are floating around shooting purple orbs that are growing on the side of a monster, uh, stuff like that. I don't see how they can fundamentally change that without really, really going back to the drawing board on a lot of elements of this game. So if this gets delayed to address fan feedback, I could easily see it getting pushed to 2024, if not later than that. But if this is just to tweak a couple of the mechanics and try and change what they can, that all sounds good. My biggest concern is that this is, as many other people have said, going to be a blend of Marvel's Avengers and Gotham Knights, where it is fine, but also not the game that people had thought that it would be. And I think to some degree, kind of going back to the Starfield conversation we were having a couple of minutes ago, this could be a situation where Rocksteady is a victim of their own success, where Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, those games were so good that they built up Rocksteady to this kind of godlike tier in the gaming space. And so now that they're trying something new and breaking out of that mold, and it may not be what fans are expecting, it could potentially hinder them in the long run. Now, to be fair, I personally did not like the gameplay that I saw. And even taking a step back and removing the fact that it's Rocksteady, it's a cool game if it was like, and this is just top of mind, a sequel to Outriders or something like that, where it would be a looter shooter than I expect it to be a looter shooter. This is a super villain superhero game. 
it would be awesome to see Kill the Justice League, where I've got to take out every member of the Justice League in a metropolis that's getting taken over by Brainiac. Just make that whole plot into an Arkham-style game. That's what we want. That's what I want, I at least think. So let me know what you think down below. I'd love to know your thoughts on that one. Uh, but Suicide Squad could get delayed later into 2023. I'd say probably by the time you're watching this at some point next week, there's going to be an official confirmation of a delay because we're getting to the point where, I mean, it's it's March 11th when I'm recording this right now. May 26th is just about three months away. So we're getting up to that wire where they do need to push it out if they're going to push it. So uh, stay tuned. I'm sure there is more to come in the weeks ahead. It's that time of the week. Once again, my friends, let's play Who Wants to Be a Lawyer? Because Sony, Microsoft, and Activision Blizzard are continuing to have conversations and we are hitting new levels of tomfoolery. Because this week, Jim Ryan had some colorful comments that came to light thanks to Lulu Ching Maservi over on the team at Activision Blizzard. But before we get into those... I want to talk about these statements from Sony and Microsoft, in particular one comment that made the rounds from the team at Sony PlayStation, which made the claim that if Microsoft were to acquire Activision Blizzard, a version of Call of Duty they release on PlayStation could feature more bugs that would ultimately impact the perception of Call of Duty as the best place to play Call of Duty. Let me repeat that one more time for the people that might not have caught it. Sony is accusing Microsoft that if they were to get this deal done, they would release a worse and buggier version of Call of Duty on PlayStation exclusively, making Xbox the best place to play. What? If you fundamentally take a step back and you look at the way the business is done, Microsoft is acquiring Activision Blizzard not to benefit Xbox as a brand alone. That is not the goal. The secondary goal of this deal is to be able to generate more revenue through multiple revenue streams thanks to the different kinds of consoles and different manufacturers that are out there. Bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo Switch, continuing to release games on Nintendo Switch, and do that same exact scenario on the PlayStation side of things opens up multiple revenue streams that then feed directly back into Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. More games in more places for more people generates more revenue. That's the goal. If Xbox is affiliated with that success, that's even better. It's the same way that PlayStation is releasing God of War on PC or The Last of Us on PC. It benefits them because it expands that brand name and they become more of a household name thanks to these new games that are coming into players' hands. The idea that Microsoft would release a subpar version of Call of Duty on PlayStation is nothing more than ridiculous. And this week, whenever I saw this, I have never been more ready for this deal to either get through or be done. And just going off of what I've seen online, it seems like a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that the FTC will probably approve it. The EU will probably approve it with concessions. Uh, when it comes to the CMA, that's where the question lies, because this is a newer UK uh, regulatory body, and I think they're still kind of cutting their teeth and trying to prove themselves. And so if they can stop this deal, it's kind of like a big Ooh, we won, huh? You know, government. Um, very professional here, I know. And again, this is all just my perception. This is all just my two cents. Uh, so the real question will be, can these concerns be addressed? I've seen Microsoft taking out ads in newspapers in the UK. Uh, they're making a big media push with, I think, radio and TV. There's a lot of money going into making sure that the public is aware of the conversation around this. And so the next few weeks are going to be critical for this deal to go through. 
I'm excited to continue following along with it, and I've been putting out YouTube shorts and TikToks along the way uh, to discuss it whenever something big comes up. But this week's comments from Sony about, you know, trying to make sure Microsoft doesn't release a subpar version, that's just ridiculousness. That's just the legal team grasping at straws. I mean, that's all that is. Uh, and uh, that's that's pretty much the only way that I treat it. But that's not where the craziness ends this week because Lulu Ching Maservi, CCO at Activision Blizzard and EVP of Corporate Affairs, has been tweeting throughout this deal going down, sharing her thoughts, and I might say putting out some pretty spicy takes along the way. And this week, she quote tweeted Tom Warren at The Verge when he was covering this previous story we talked about of Call of Duty potentially being worse on PlayStation by nature, by intentionality. Uh, and she said, quote, Microsoft offered Sony, the dominant console leader for well over a decade with 80% market share, a 10-year agreement on far better terms than Sony would ever get from us. Again, speaking as Activision Blizzard. We've also offered Sony guaranteed long-term access to Call of Duty, but they keep refusing. Why? The CEO of SIE answered that question in Brussels, and that is Jim Ryan. In his words, quote, I don't want a new Call of Duty deal. I just want to block your merger, end quote. That's a massive statement. And I fully believe that is exactly what was said in Brussels, because it's something that's been out there plain as day, just not said explicitly. When you look at the arguments PlayStation's making, this accusation that Microsoft could make a worse version of Call of Duty on PlayStation, all of these deals that have been cut that Sony has refused to be a part of, Contracts have been signed with Nintendo. Contracts have been offered to Valve. They've had agreements that have been made across the industry. Sony is continuing to say no. The actions speak louder than the words, but these words are very loud. Sony isn't interested in making a deal. And Michael Pachter, a very famous industry analyst, has been talking about this deal. And he said that it will hurt Sony in the long run. And it very well could. But the key here is that Sony is now being forced to compete they are now having to step up to bat in a way that they haven't had to in the last few years. They have been dominant throughout the entire PlayStation 4 generation. I mean, we're talking about what really started in like 2013. Uh, they've been killing it for the past decade. And now there's this threat that Microsoft could legitimately be bringing some heat after a bomb of an Xbox One generation. And a rough start for the Xbox Series X with a lot of delays, a lot of lackluster games that have come out. It's time for Microsoft to compete. It's time for Sony to step up and play. No pun intended. Uh, but when we're coming up to Call of Duty, number one, it's not going anywhere. Number two, make a game that's PlayStation exclusive that people want to play. Bring back Killzone. Make a killer Killzone. I want you to make me want to buy a PlayStation. That's my biggest takeaway from all of this. I currently don't own a PS5. Make me want one. Be so mad that Xbox is acquiring Activision Blizzard that you make a legitimate competitor to every game they're offering up that's 10 times better than the games they've got. I want to see it, man. I cannot wait to see it. And in the meantime, these games that are being cut deals are still going to be available on PlayStation. You have nothing to worry about. Uh, so I'm excited once again for this deal to go through, but some massive comments from Lulu Ching Maservi over at Activision Blizzard. And of course, secondhand, a massive statement from Jim Ryan. To wrap up today's show, we've got two big delays, which are a bummer, and one big announcement, which brings us back up. So we're going to do shot chaser kind of situation to round out today's episode. First, The Wolf Among Us 2 has been delayed out of 2023. 
Telltale writes, We started work on this in 2020 and we're still determined to tell the ongoing story of Bigby and the rest of the Fabletown gang. However, it is going to require more time. As disappointed as you are hearing this, we feel worse having to say it, but the work continues. We're committed to delivering the sequel that fans deserve and doing what's right for the game while protecting the health of our team. We appreciate your patience and understanding, signed the Telltale team. Now, in a follow-up tweet, they say, We knew that we needed to give you more than just a single post for this news. That's why we spoke at length with IGN about what's going on over here. To be as transparent as possible as we rebuild and make new games, we do truly thank you for understanding. Now, if you do want to dig into all of the meaty details, IGN does have a massive rundown uh, that shares exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And it talks a lot about uh, making sure they make the best game possible. And I think that, number one, great to see that there is transparency here. I love the fact that they're taking the time they need. But also, we got to recognize, Telltale has been through it over the course of the past few years. I mean, we're talking about a company that shut down in, I think, 2018, if I remember correctly. Uh, I was working an internship uh, in college at a news station when the news broke that morning. I got to say, pretty devastating stuff when you see that. Uh, But then the company was rebuilt. They started work on some of the projects that have been locked up in copyright, uh, trademark, you know, battles and whatnot going back and forth. And now The Wolf Among Us 2 is officially happening. Uh, But this is a game that people have been waiting for for a very long time. Waiting a little bit longer isn't going to kill anybody. So nice to see they're taking the time with it and making sure that the team's health is a number one priority. It'll get here when it gets here, which will be fine. Then, Hogwarts Legacy's Xbox One version has been delayed one more time, and it's now arriving on May the 5th of 2023. The official Hogwarts Legacy Twitter account tweeted and said, We are overwhelmed with gratitude for the response to Hogwarts Legacy from fans around the globe. The team is working hard to deliver the best possible experience on all platforms, and we need more time to do this. Hogwarts Legacy will launch for PS4 and Xbox One on May 5th, 2023. So this is coming ahead of the release of the Nintendo Switch version of the game later this July. So we have three more versions of this game on the way, and it's already selling exponentially well, incredibly well. Whatever other adjective you want to use, it is selling that. Uh, And so Hogwarts Legacy coming out on May 5th, 2023 for the Xbox One. I don't think it's really going to matter that much because we're talking about something that's about two months out, and at that point, it will reinvigorate sales of the game once again. It could work in the favor of the team behind Hogwarts Legacy in reality, but you could release this game whenever you want. The reality is it's a Hogwarts game coming to consoles, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, that are in millions and millions of households. It's a household name. People want the Harry Potter game. And so to see that it's coming this summer, it's coming just in time to be another big blockbuster hit. I mean, the summer is typically a pretty slow time for games overall. So this one's going to fill that gap pretty nicely. So if you had been looking forward to that one, it was going to be launching on April the 4th, if I remember correctly, now launching on April the 5th. And finally, we have a new Velocity Green Xbox wireless controller that's out now, ready and waiting for you just in time for the spring season. They told you you need to go outside and touch grass. This is the next best thing. This is a very beautiful poppy green vibrant color for the Xbox wireless controller collection. And this is joining fan favorites like Shock Blue, Pulse Red, Deep Pink, and Electric Volt. It is one big solid color. And I've got to say, very springy. Uh, Nice time of year to release this just in time for St. Patrick's Day. And it definitely brings a vibrant pop of color. Uh, Now, this one is not one of the special controllers, if you will. 
Uh, this does look to be a pretty standard Xbox wireless controller. It does not have the back rubber grips on it, so it's just going to feel like your regular Xbox wireless controller that comes with the device itself. Uh, but this does have an MSRP value of $64.99 USD, and it is available now. Now, if you do want to have a bit of apparel that goes with this, there's also the Velocity Green hoodie that's also out, which has an embroidered uh, charm on the side of it, an embroidered four-leaf clover, and I gotta say, pretty good-looking hoodie. I do like the way this one looks, and if you want to tie everything together, you can buy an accessory for the controller, which is the Razer Quick Charging Stand. Uh, they have partnered with Microsoft to make these things happen, and it's great to see them, especially with things like the limited-edition 20th anniversary Xbox wireless controller, Pulse Red, things like that. Uh, thematically, it all works together very well. So, a new pop of color for your spring season if you do want to spruce up your Xbox collection. And of course, the Series X and S controllers feel great. So, this is just another one to bring into that collection. And that wraps up this week's episode of Exhibition and Xbox Podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you're new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button and get the show delivered to you each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time here on YouTube or on podcast services around the world. And I also do want to say thank you to everybody who reached out to wish me some happy birthday wishes. I had the pleasure of recording this on March the 11th, my official 26th birthday. So I appreciate all of the love over 25, and I cannot wait to continue bringing new content to you in the year ahead. It's always a pleasure, and I love having you guys here to do it with me. But I will catch you guys on the next one. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and remember, keep on playing.